Welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the show where I take a deep dive into the stories of the most interesting, abandoned, and defunct theme parks and amusements in the world. I'm your host, Ashley. The story I'm about to tell you is not the story I'd planned on telling when I set out to research Trinity Loop Amusement Park. I had originally been going to talk about an empty Ferris wheel, an eerie old locomotive that sat on a hill by a lake. And maybe I'd been going to talk about the block letters that still clearly spell out Trinity Loop up on top of a bridge. I knew there was a train theme involved somehow, but to be honest, I never was much of a train buff, so I'd really expected to gloss right over that part. It turns out, however, that the story of Trinity Loop is so much more than any of my preconceived notions. This is a story about historical preservation. This is the story of interesting engineering to solve a geography problem and connect a country together. This is the story of reuse and waste. This is the story of childhood summertime memories. And this is a story about what we choose to preserve and what happens when we're gone. This is the story of Trinity Loop in Newfoundland. Let's start with a wide view. We're talking about Newfoundland. Newfoundland is an island. It's the easternmost part of Canada. Newfoundland was formerly a colony and then a dominion of the United Kingdom. But in 1949, Newfoundland became a part of Canada officially. Narrowing in, we're looking at Trinity, which is a small town on the eastern side of the island, far away from mainland Canada. And historically, Trinity served as a major port for the export of the island's fishing industries. And I really recommend browsing through the Trinity location tag on Instagram. You're going to see pictures of beautiful towns with brightly painted houses, amazing sunsets, and apparently lots of whale watching as well. It's really quite a feast for the eyes. In popular culture, you might be familiar with Trinity as a filming location for the 2001 movie The Shipping News, which, if you're interested, has a lovely soundtrack as well. So now that you know where we are, let's talk about the history. We start with the railway in Newfoundland. In the 1880s, the colonial government of Newfoundland began construction of a narrow-gauge railroad across the island as a vital way to transport people and goods. This was before the days of cars or any sort of highway system, so this was a really big deal. Ultimately, at a total length of 906 miles, the Newfoundland Railway became the longest 3-foot, 6-inch narrow-gauge railway system in North America. And narrow-gauge was chosen instead of standard-gauge, which is 4 feet 8.5 inches, as a cost-saving measure. This reportedly cost about half of what standard-gauge rail for the same distance would have cost. But although the decision would save money in the short term, it would really spell the end for the railway in the long term. The railway was constructed as a key way to connect small towns across Newfoundland. Remember that Trinity was located on the eastern side of the island, far from mainland Canada. The railway would have been so huge around the turn of the 20th century. Now Trinity, in addition to being a coastal town located in the bay, Trinity is also surrounded by these steep hills. A normal direct train route, just the train going into the town, 
would have been too steep a grade for any train of the time to pass. And so to connect Trinity, this important shipping location, to the railway, some effort was required. In 1911, engineer J.P. Powell came up with a solution similar to those seen in the western Canadian mountains of British Columbia. The train route looped around a pond outside of Trinity, and it slowly changed elevation and then crossed back underneath itself into the town. Overall, the elevation of the track dropped 10.3 meters over 6,600 feet of track. And this allowed the train to then safely finish descending into the town of Trinity. The Trinity Loop, it is the only loop of its kind in the area of the country, but it's also unique because of how the entire loop is visible. Usually these structures you see a lot in um, mountains or like tunnels and stuff. And the Trinity Loop, you can see the whole thing. The other interesting thing is that this was all done by hand. You know, today we think about earth movers and excavators and bulldozers and all those things, but these were all done with hand tools in the 1900s. The trestles were set for the train by hand, and then earth was moved in in great quantities in order to cover the exposed structure of the tracks. This was a big deal. The railway in Newfoundland was completed by the early 1900s, and although this was originally a governmental operation, It required money from private investment. And even so, the railway never turned a profit as the years went on. Unfortunately, the narrow gauge of the railway meant its freight capacity was limited, and freight cars from the mainland couldn't just be put onto the Newfoundland Railway. They had to be transferred into smaller cars. And the harsh winter weather at points on the island meant constant delays and small fortunes in winter weather maintenance costs. And finally, Newfoundland as a whole was really a small island without enough traffic to truly support the massive train infrastructure. After decades of operating losses, the government nationalized the railway. They bought it back from the Reed Company in 1923. The railway passed from the hands of the British colonial government to the Canadian government in 1949, when Newfoundland became a part of Canada, as I mentioned earlier. Unfortunately, as the years rolled over, the railway's prospects continued to fall by the wayside. It became the casualty of the more popular bus and Trans-Canada highway systems, which were paved in the 1970s. This was reportedly not only due to the preference of travelers, but also to the allocation of government dollars. In 1979, the railway restructured itself after years of complaints about the railway and its significant subsidies. The Newfoundland operations were renamed as Terra Transport. And then, between 1979 and 1988, the Newfoundland Railway was slowly shuttered. The branch lines closed in 1984, and the final main line closing was in 1988. The train on the Trinity Loop operated from 1911 until the closure of the Bonavista branch of the railway in 1984, along with all the other branch lines. When the Trinity Loop train closed in 1984, the original plan was to disassemble, remove, and scrap the Trinity Loop and all other parts of the shuttered railway, despite its recognized historical importance. However, local researcher Clayton Cook, a former railway man, took it upon himself to save the loop. 
He began petitioning several of the local politicians, and he began a one-man campaign to save the loop as a historical site and monument. He ultimately succeeded, and Trinity Loop's original tracks were left alone, and they are some of the only original railway tracks remaining on the island of Newfoundland. The structure of Trinity Loop was preserved, at least in that it wasn't destroyed. The Trinity Loop became government property, and in February of 1988, it was officially recognized as a registered heritage structure in Canada. Local Francis Kelly leased the Trinity Loop sometime after its original preservation, or lack of demolition. Cook's original goal for the Trinity Loop when he was trying to preserve it was reportedly a railway museum, but Kelly had other ideas. He began construction on an amusement park inside the area of the Loop. It was simply called Trinity Loop Amusement Park. Kelly built a small, miniature narrow-gauge train to run on the former loop tracks. After a few years, he added additional tracks to allow the train to circle the amusement park and connect to the start of the loop. So it still did the loop over and under itself, but then it kind of connected back to itself, so the train made a, a complete circle. Visitors could take that historical trip around the waters of the loop pond, the Ferris wheel spinning merrily nearby. And interestingly, plywood cutouts of popular early 90s cartoons at the time dotted the perimeter, which were an occasional surprise in the thick evergreens. Quote, Crossing over the bridge on the mini train on the original track with my family and looking down at the pond, track, and park was probably the most exciting moment of my childhood, end quote, remembers local J.P. Cody. The setting couldn't have been more breathtaking. Lush green forests, sparkling clear blue waters and the amusement park itself set in a clearing in the middle of it all. Several former railway cars became part of the park. An old yellow Plymouth locomotive for patrons to climb on and in, several passenger cars, a sleeper car that could be rented for the night, and a boxcar as a small stage per performances. In a lower clearing, there was a mini golf game, bumper boats, a playground, a ferris wheel, all nice and close to the water. And to one side, the cabins, and the petting zoo. Quote, My first memory was catching a brief glimpse of the mini train on top of the hill, briefly visible from the road heading to the loop. Then, cresting the last hill, my heart raced as I saw a railway crossing sign, which marked where the original line crossed the old Cabot Highway. This crossing was known as Breakheart Crossing. It was the rail cars and park entrance. After reading so much about the loop, being there was such a big deal for me. End quote. The park is a quick drive from the town of Trinity. Reportedly, it was popular for its free swimming, as well as for its good food. The restaurant was called the Conductor's Choice Diner, which was located in a converted passenger car. Burgers and popcorn chicken are both mentioned in fond remembrances online. Former workers remember taking breaks, sitting on the stoops of the railway cars, and listening to the band play, The Singing Hobo and the Brakemen. Scouting organizations took camping trips there. Visitors remember the area as being a nice place for a day trip, and a place they remember as kids, or a place they remember taking their own children. It was a place for families. Locals even called it the Florida or the Disneyland of Newfoundland. Quote, In the evenings, they would have live music on the upper part of the site by the RV park. People would drive up, or you could walk there, and the stage was a flat car on railway tracks. People would blow their horns in the cars or clap after each song. It was such a nice experience. End quote. 
If you chose to stay on site, you could stay in one of the Trinity cabins, or even rent out the Terra Nova 2 sleeper car. From the back of the sleeper car, you could see the sun set over the water in the park and listen to the band play. As is almost always the case, there's no one reason that Trinity Loop Amusement Park closed. At its peak, Trinity Loop Amusement Park attracted about 35,000 visitors per year, which was a huge boost to the local economies of Trinity and nearby Goose Cove. Quite a bit seems to have hinged on the downfall of the job and tourism industry on the island of Newfoundland. Work locally became hard to find at this time, so many people left for the mainland for more stable employment. This made employees hard to find. And tourism to amusement parks like the Trinity Loop also dwindled, and the park management didn't shift their focus to include a more broad historical context that might have pulled in additional visitors. The park operated until 2004. At this time, the contract ended with the provincial government, and the property returned back to governmental ownership. There is some speculation about fees and back taxes owed as part of the closure, but this is only speculation. After the park's closure, the small miniature train, which was called the Trinity Loop Express, went to Avondale, Newfoundland, where it was rebranded the Avondale Express. The train lives at the Avondale Railway Museum, and it gives rides in the summer there, over the 1.5 kilometer of remaining track there at Avondale. Back at Trinity Loop, the loop in the amusement park began to decay, there on the eastern edge of Newfoundland. Images online show nature beginning to take back the park. However, it wasn't until 2010 that things seemed to really have gone downhill for the loop. What happened in 2010? Well, in the fall of 2010, Hurricane Igor swept through the area. This was the most devastating hurricane to ever hit Newfoundland. And as an interesting sidebar, if you Google Hurricane Igor, a top result is the Hypothetical Hurricanes Wikipedia, where you can find a fictional 2028 Hurricane Igor. Apparently, this is a whole website that just allows you to make up fake hurricanes and potential damages that they could have caused. I can't throw any shade on that and thought this was actually kind of a fun concept. I mean, I do a podcast about abandoned theme parks to each their own. Anyhow, back in 2010, the real Hurricane Igor did millions of dollars of damage to Newfoundland. The abandoned Trinity Loop amusement park was particularly hard hit. Most of the original loop track was left unharmed, but most of the later additions to the track were torn up, washed out by the changing waters of the riverbeds. And this led to one of the iconic images of the abandoned Trinity Loop Park that you're going to see when you Google this place. A twisted train track suspended in the air, where the riverbed completely washed out the supports for this track. Despite the historic designation, no government entity had any apparent interest in taking ownership of the park. As an abandoned site, of course Trinity Loop is interesting. Much of the park was left in place when it shuttered in 2004. Some of the large train cars were sold, including the Terra Nova 2 sleeper cabin, which now resides at the Orangedale Railway Station Museum in Nova Scotia. But other large cars still remain at the site. This includes the caboose and dining car that were used as restaurant and museum, 
and the cutaway car that was used as a stage for the singing hobo and the brakeman. The empty train cars have become increasingly vandalized as the years have gone by, of course. Their interior paint has peeled quite dramatically and is covered throughout by bright graffiti. A torn red train seat sits perfectly positioned for the Trinity Loop Instagram photo, sitting inside this train car, looking artistically out from one side to the other. That's another one of the images that you're going to see when you look up Trinity Loop. And there was that yellow Plymouth locomotive. It still remains on top of the hill, looking out across the scenic loop pond and the decaying remains of the amusement park. The locomotive has seen better days and is now covered in rust and graffiti, but you can still see that bright yellow coming through. Another train car remains too, as well, away from the main area. It's actually a car from the miniature train. It appears to have been toppled from the track by a vandal. And over the years, you can see photos that show it slowly sliding from the bank into the loop pond. And today, a wheel on the back of the car is really all that's clearly visible in the water. Of course, there was a Ferris wheel. Yes, I do say was. The wheel stood for many years, even after Hurricane Igor. Igor? Igor? Hmm. But it looked increasingly worse for the wear. Where once the wheel had brilliant primary colored paint, now it was only the color of rust. Faded seats stacked in piles on the ground nearby. Based on social media photos, it appears that the wheel collapsed sometime between June 20th, 2018 and July 2nd, 2018. Probably June 26, 2018, based on weather underground weather history. There was a big storm that day with 30 plus mile per hour winds. The collapse of the wheel, of course, has led to a darker tone in the social media imagery from the site. The whole place appears much more post-apocalyptic now. The mini golf course is probably the most recognizable thing that remains in place, really a testament to the eternal properties of AstroTurf. In the most recent photos at the time of this recording, someone has actually taken two stacking cords of cut wood on top of it. The bumper boat pool is still there, empty. The other outbuildings are still all there too, increasingly vandalized and destroyed. The good food building, the Trinity cabins where visitors could once stay, the barns where the ponies for the pony ride once were stabled. Most of the kiddie playground items are gone, with only a headless ride-on motorized pony still remaining. And that historical, iconic looped train railway, part of the original 1911 Newfoundland Railway. It's still there. It hasn't really been maintained since 2004, but reportedly it could still be restored. The red letters spelling out Trinity Loop still sit atop the upper trestle. Trinity Loop is more popular than ever these days. Recent publicity from a Canadian press article has encouraged even more visitors beyond just the locals. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. The romance of the abandoned place, says J.P. Cody, has been, quote, attracting a lot of people, which is good because that gives me a chance to say, well, look, this is why it's here, end quote. Trevor Croft and J.P. Cody are names that you see a lot researching this topic, and I've mentioned them already in this episode. They are two locals who have a passion for the history of the Newfoundland Railway, and they're even more passionate about preserving history before it's lost, as it so easily happens. They volunteer at the Avondale Railway Museum, 
sharing their private railway collections as well as their extensive knowledge. Quote, they want to make sure that people experience the history, which is a lot more important than reading poster boards. End quote. I briefly mentioned it before, but the Avondale Railway Museum is located in Avondale, about 220 kilometers from Trinity and the Trinity Loop. The length of track at Avondale is the same as that at Trinity, interestingly enough, and, as mentioned, they have the old Trinity Loop Express, which is now branded the Avondale Express. The museum is open in the summer months and is wildly popular for those interested in railway history as well as curious tourists. There's a great 20-minute documentary on J.P., Trevor, and the Avondale Museum that I'll link in the show notes. I think you might like to watch it. J.P. has been working on efforts to preserve the loop since 2012, beginning with a Facebook group, letter-writing campaigns, and a petition to the local politicians and MPs. His vision is for the site to be turned into a heritage operation, a working railway museum. Despite the lobbying of J.P. and others for a heritage operation on the Trinity Loop site, the government response to date has been tepid at best. The condition of the site has not changed. Many people reportedly blame the government for the decaying condition of the park. Trinity's mayor, Jim Miller, has reportedly addressed the issues of the unsafe site with the province. Nothing has changed yet, however, aside from some very helpful signs posted on the property. In a statement from the Provincial Department of Fisheries and Land Resources, the possibility for restoration was indicated, though without any concrete timelines. They reportedly are working on arranging an inspection of the site. Many guests visiting the park after its abandonment describe the ghost-like feeling of the site. Quote, breaks my heart in a thousand pieces, end quote, says one former visitor. So many visitors share online idyllic weekends, and summers at the park. Quote, the whole place is totally destroyed. End quote. If you were to visit the park, you'd look out over the destroyed landscape, and despite the chaos, you could close your eyes and still almost hear it. The squeals of joyful children, and you could almost see a generation experiencing wonderful times. Like so many of the parks we've covered here on the abandoned carousel, Trinity Loop as an amusement park was a classic local tourist gem. A small family place for first jobs, first kisses, and friendly fun. Quote, You could look down over all the park from the cabins on the hill, hear the music, see the cars lined up in the evening to hear the local musicians play, the dancing. It was a magical place. End quote. I told you at the beginning that Trinity Loop was about more than just a rusty Ferris wheel and some abandoned, vandalized train cars, though. Truly, what Trinity Loop and so many of these sites represent are the idea of the past. These sites challenge our personal ideals. What do we value as people in society? What happens to us all when we're gone? What do we find important? Trinity Loop was preserved once, and it does have the opportunity to be preserved again, if the appropriate people act quickly. History, it's about keeping alive what is left. History isn't just dry old books in a library. If we don't talk about our past or preserve our past, who will? If we don't memorialize our past and keep it alive in common memory, it will be forgotten. It will be lost. These are the lessons I've learned from Trinity Loop and from the abandoned carousel to date. 
I hope you'll continue listening and keeping the past alive with me. This week, I'd like to thank J.P. Cody for talking with me about his history with the Trinity Loop. You should check out his Facebook group, Trinity Loop Heritage Railway and Museum. The CBC Land and Sea documentary called Riding the Rails is also well worth your time. As always, all links are included in the show notes for the episode. You can find this episode's links at theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 15. I create a video and audio version of each episode as well. It's all linked on the show notes page, theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 15. Remember to subscribe to the show, leave a review, and tell a friend. You can get in touch with me across social media as The Abandoned Carousel. On Twitter, it's Carousel Abandoned. I'll be back soon with another great episode, so I'll see you then. As Lucy Maud Montgomery once said, nothing is ever really lost to us as long as we remember it. <laughs>